Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Moments ago, standing together with her wife, Sherelle, uh, in the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. This was the news that broke earlier today. The news that quite simply made people say, well, that's amazing because we didn't know any level of deal was in the works. But then you start asking questions about the deal itself. How is it that only Brittany Griner is coming home and not a retired U.S. Marine by the name of Paul Whelan? How do you go about giving up a guy they refer to as the merchant of death in Victor Boot? I believe it's pronounced boot, B-O-U-T, but it could be bout for all I know. How do you engage a one-on-one deal? And what is the implications? What are the implications? Because this is far more than saying getting an American back. And I'm not one of the people who engages the idea of, well, she said this about America, or, well, she was there doing drugs. You will not get me to disagree that she made the mistake of trying to bring that vape, that cannabis oil vape back into the U.S. Don't tell me that it was medically prescribed. If it's illegal there, it's illegal there. Clearly, this is the Russians we're talking about, and they do nothing on the up and up. The purpose of keeping her was trying to gain a concession from the United States. We do engage these prisoner swaps. Is this a deal that we will lament in the future? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, it is great to be with you. Fred Flights joins us right now from the American First Policy Institute Center for American Security. Good to have you with us. Break down, if you could, having spent time in these high-level conversations, in these high-level positions, what it takes to do the back and forth to make a deal in itself on a prisoner swap. Look, uh, diplomacy is difficult. Prisoner swaps are difficult. I'm very happy that Brittany Griner is being released, but Vic- Victor Boat was a, a Victor Bout was an enormous uh, 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 person who the Russians wanted released, and uh, to, to trade this person who was trafficking cannabis oil and as a celebrity um, for this individual, I think was really an unfair trade. But look, I understand that the Russians want to come out ahead. They want to be seen as coming out ahead. Creative diplomacy could allow this. For example, in September, the Brits freed five British citizens in exchange for Ukraine releasing 55 Russian soldiers. That's the kind of trade you have to make with these adversaries. The trades are never fair. But this particular trade where the Russians supposedly said one-on-one and this has to be the person, I don't think the Russians said it had to be 
Britain and Griner, I think they were, would have been willing to trade for more Russians or for another Russian. But the incompetence of the Biden administration prevented that from happening. So uh, I want to make sure that I, I start with uh, the, the baseline, though, and an understanding of how these deals are made. Is this the kind of thing where the United States goes to Russia and says, look, we got to get her back. This is wrong. You know it's wrong. It's got to get her back. How do we put together a deal here? Or is it the kind of thing where Russia says, uh, do you want her or not? Who, who in, in your view, initiates the, the conversation? Yeah, that is a great question, and there's more to this than you're, real, than you're aware of. I think there's no question that the Biden administration wanted her released because she's a celebrity, and they wanted to score political points at home. I hate to put it that way, but that's what everyone is in Washington is saying. But what is not hitting the news right now is that this deal was negotiated by the Saudis and the United Arab Emirates on our behalf. They were the intermediaries. We weren't dealing with the Russians directly. So why would that be? First of all, the Biden administration has had almost no diplomatic contacts with the Russians most of this year, which is really appalling. Even in the depths of the Cold War, we talk to the Soviets. This administration doesn't talk to the Russians, and it doesn't talk to the Chinese. The second point is we don't want the Saudis and the UAE negotiating with the Russians because the Russians will want something from them. And what will that be? Oil prices. Keep oil prices high. This is a bad deal. This deal stinks on so many levels, but the fact that the Saudis and the UE had to do it for us makes it much worse. Talking to Fred Flights from the American First Policy uh, Institute, uh, your your experiences in, in the, the White House, Chief of Staff, uh, to National Security Advisor, the work that you've done here, you've now talked about this being a bad deal twice, but you also said it's good that we have Brittany Griner at at home. Is it a bad deal because Paul Whelan was not a part of the deal? Or is it a bad deal because allowing a trade for Victor Bout is the non-starter and creates much more danger down the road? Look, I, I we're going to have to trade bad people to get Americans out of prison. We've done that before. It's not a surprise to me that that happened in this instance. I think he certainly is worth two Americans. That what troubles me is that the precedent this sets, that the Russians set the terms of this deal, and that we were not able to go beyond the Russian terms to find a way to get both Americans out. If the British could do it with their five nationals, we could have done it too. Let me play this for you. This was President Biden discussing specifically how Paul Whelan was not on the table. We never forgot about Brittany. We've not forgotten about Paul Whelan, who's been unjustly detained in Russia for years. This was not a choice of which American to bring home. We brought home Trevor Reed when we had a chance earlier this year. Sadly, for totally illegitimate reasons, Russia is treating Paul's case differently than Brittany's. And while we have not yet succeeded in securing Paul's release, we are not giving up. We will never give up. We remain in close touch with Paul's family, the Whelan family. And my thoughts and prayers are with them today. They have to have such mixed emotions today. Uh, the reporting that I have seen is that the Whelan family was very happy for Brittany Griner and her family. But this idea is that Russia is treating the case differently leads one to believe from the president's own mouth that Russia dictated the terms of the deal. Am I seeing it wrong? And how does the world see it? 
Russia wanted a one-on-one deal. This new story from Biden, we didn't hear a few days ago. We heard it wouldn't be a two-on-one deal. It would be a one-on-one deal. The Biden administration is trying to cover itself because they left an American behind. And, and I mean, it's just typical. When they do something wrong, they lie. I don't think anything we just heard from Joe Biden is true. I think the Russians would have dealt for both of them if we made them a good deal. The Biden administration didn't do that. The conversation leads into the idea of Biden weakness. We can go back to the pullout from Afghanistan, sir, and the absolute failure there, leaving Americans behind, leaving Afghanis who we promised to take care of uh, uh, behind, leaving billions of dollars in hardware to the Taliban, and Lord only knows where that has been sold to. Uh, The idea of doing things poorly, doing things mistakenly, not putting the United States in a best position. It's difficult when you're engaged in this level of negotiation because we're talking about real lives and we're talking about what can be done to people to try and create more pressure in the future. If you are there, you're with, you know, in in your time there as chief of staff, as an advisor to President Trump, what is the posture like? What does the conversation go like when Putin or Putin's team says no, no, no? What is the pushback for the better deal? How does that work? Well, first of all, you have to have a strong and decisive president, a president who's unpredictable, who are adversaries fear. And that was Donald Trump. You may not like him. Your viewers or listeners may not like him. But there's no question that his personality and way of running the government got things done. He got out of warm beer out of North Korea in exchange for nothing. We didn't trade anything to the North Koreans. Uh, And he got other prisoners out because he had credibility. Our adversaries were worried what Trump would do if they thwarted him. They're not worried about thwarting Biden. And I think this weakness and the fact that we didn't negotiate this ourselves makes us look even weaker. The world stage, this idea of weakness, talking to Fred Flights. He is of the American First Policy Institute, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. You can find out more about him and about the organization there. This idea of weakness, because when things like this happen, as you well know, there is a view on the world stage. And when you talk about the world stage, you talk about China first and everybody else second. China looks at this. What do they say? Does this change any uh, mathematics they have about uh, the possible invasion of Taiwan or or other plans for for Belt and Road 2025, uh, all, all of their plans? And then how does this play out to the rest of the world when there's a conversation about what is possible for their own wants and desires? I think Biden's weakness has already emboldened our enemies worldwide. That's why there's been such a surge in North Korean uh, missile tests this year, the largest number ever, 75 missile tests. The, the last highest was about 35 in 2016. North Korea may soon test a nuclear device. I think uh, China's increased harassment of Taiwan is directly related to what happened in Afghanistan, our disastrous withdrawal. And I don't think Putin would have invaded Ukraine if it was not for Biden's weakness. Bear in mind, Four presidents in a row, Putin invaded neighboring countries during three of them, but not the Trump administration. So all these people who try to say that Trump was weak, he was going to get us into wars, he somehow he somehow had a weak Russia policy. The Russians were worried what would happen if they invaded Ukraine during the Trump presidency. I think your listeners should think about that.
Fred Flight, Deputy Assistant President Donald Trump, and Chief of Staff to National Security Advisor, then National Security Advisor John uh, Bolton, uh, and then before the White House, Senior Vice President of the Center for Security Policy, and now with the American First Policy Institute. Uh, Fred Flights, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. It's good to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. 